Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening right here on the Republic Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, republicbroadcasting.org. Today is Saturday, September 27th, 2014. This show is live every Saturday evening from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to midnight Central Time. And tonight on What on Earth is Happening, I'm going to do an all-call-in show. Your calls, all three hours of the show tonight, the callers will make the show. Anything you want to talk about is fair game. There are no taboo topics on What on Earth is Happening. There never are. So your concerns, your questions, anything you want me to clarify about any of the subject matter that I've covered on the show up to this point or anything new you might want to bring up is fair game here tonight. Let me give the call-in number right at the top of the show. The call-in number to join us tonight, 1-800-313-9443. Once again, the call-in number to join us tonight, 800-313-9443. So... I do have a couple of quick event announcements before I start taking calls. Um, I'm going to be giving a live all-day seminar called Demystifying the Occult. One week from today, Saturday, October 4th, 2014, all-day seminar, Demystifying the Occult in Manchester, Connecticut. It will be taking place at the Manchester History Center at 175 Pine Street in Manchester, the zip code 06040. The doors will open at 9 a.m. There will be an introductory presentation by Arthur Capozzi, and then I'll probably begin speaking shortly uh, around 10 10 a.m., maybe a little after. And then um, uh, the seminar will go until 8 p.m. at the Manchester History Center. Uh, Here's a brief description of Demystifying the Occult. Mark Passio, the no-nonsense teacher of streetwise spirituality, will take his guests on a journey of exploration, examining the world of the occult and its symbols. Topics to be explored. 
What exactly is the occult? What should you know about it? Or why should you know about it? What kind of knowledge comprises the occult? Who possesses such knowledge and how do they use it? How is occultism different from mysticism? What can the secret language of symbolism communicate? And how is symbolism being used in our everyday lives? These topics and more will be discussed at this seminar. And in the second half of the seminar, I will actually be breaking down some deep occult symbology in the tarot tradition. I will be breaking down the major arcana of the tarot and its symbolism. So advanced tickets for this seminar, Demystifying the Occult, are only a $25 donation. You can reserve your tickets by sending a check or money order payable to Arthur Capozzi. I'll spell his last name. It's C-A-P-O-Z-Z-I at 500 Monroe Turnpike, Suite 142 in Monroe, Connecticut, 06468. At the door tickets, only a $30 cash donation if you want to uh, pick up your tickets the day of the seminar. Demystifying the Occult. Next Saturday, October 4th in Manchester, Connecticut at the Manchester History Center. Really looking forward to going out to uh, Manchester. I'm going to have uh, DVDs for sale at the seminar. I'm also going to have brand new What on Earth is Happening uh, t-shirts that I just had printed uh, specifically for this seminar to bring them out and uh, uh, hopefully uh, get some uh, advertisement going for the website in the Connecticut area. Uh, I will also, another event announcement, I will also be presenting an all-day seminar called Streetwise Spirituality Revisited, True Awakening versus New Age Nonsense in Kansas City, Missouri on the weekend of November 22nd and 23rd, 2014. It looks like there may uh, be a schedule change that I may only be speaking one of those days or the other in Kansas City, Missouri, but it will be taking place the weekend of November 22nd and 23rd. I'm going to have full details here, more likely than not, um, in two weeks on the What on Earth is Happening uh, show, uh, hopefully before that on the website. So uh, stay tuned to the website uh, in the news section. More t details about the Kansas City seminar that I have coming up will be posted there shortly. Uh, last event announcement that I have for tonight is, of course, the Free Your Mind 3 conference will be taking place in the spring of 2015. I don't have an exact date or venue yet for this event, but uh, it will feature uh, top caliber, caliber whistleblowers from all over the country uh, in the tradition of the uh, first two Free Your Mind conferences, Free Your Mind 3, coming up in the first half of 2015. For more information about this great conference, please check out freeyourmindconference.com and uh, information will be forthcoming there about the details of this conference as well. There is a donation button on the left-hand side of the whatonearthishappening.com website. If you feel that you've received value from the information that has been shared and presented on the What on Earth is Happening uh, radio show and the website in the form of uh, video presentations, you can feel free to make a voluntary donation to help support my work so that I can continue it into the future. Uh, with that having been said, um, really there's uh, no specific topics for 
uh, the show this evening. It's uh, anything that you guys want to call in and talk about. So once again, the number to join us, the toll-free number to join us, 800-313-9443. I've been mostly um, going through the um, Cosmic Abandonment presentation over the last several weeks on uh, this radio show. And um, uh, I really didn't have uh, too much time to prepare a radio show for this week because I've been really working feverishly on the information uh, that I'm going to present uh, this coming Saturday in Manchester, Connecticut. So I've been really uh, putting the finishing touches on my presentation and, uh, you know, getting it up to speed uh, for next Saturday. So, um, you know, that's why I kind of decided to do a call-in show this evening. But uh, there's no shortage of things that we could begin discussing until I wait for some calls to start coming in. And, you know, one of them is the continued and insidious infiltration into our society of the New Age movement uh, and how dangerous so much of their ideology is. I mean, I can't tell you how much I encounter um, New Age thought and in a very negative capacity, not, you know, some of the uh, truly positive things that some uh, aspects of this community can put forward uh, that are in balance and that are beneficial, but I mean the really completely way right-brained imbalanced things that so many teachers and adherents uh, to this movement, to this uh, culture, if you will, constantly put out there. Uh, As I've talked about before, uh, one of them is solipsism, this idea that there is no such thing as absolute or objective truth. Um, One of the biggest and most dangerous Uh, proposition in a lot of the New Age community. And again, when I say New Age movement, I'm not talking about one particular thing, folks. It's a conglomeration of um, different beliefs and practices and traditions. And it's it's a, a very diverse culture of individuals and groups out there that comprise this movement. For people who, uh, insist on thinking when I talk about the New Age movement or the New Age community, um, you have to understand I'm not talking about one thing. It's a loosely conglomerated grouping of individuals and traditions, as I've said, that generally puts out um, concepts that are somewhat consistent with each other. And uh, there's the break music coming in for the first segment. Uh, We'll pick this up on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website is whatonearthishappening.com. 
so. Not sure why the break music is extending so far. Usually it diminishes when I start to come back in. Hopefully, uh, those at the network end can do something. There we go. Okay. So, um, tonight uh, on the show, we're going to take your calls throughout the whole show. Uh, the callers will make the show. I don't have any callers on the line yet, but uh, we will be going to them. So, let me give the call in number once again. The call toll free number to join us tonight 800 313 9443. Once again, sorry folks, my connection dropped out again. I'm believing more and more uh, on a weekly basis that this is a some, some form of a deliberate attack because, and I say that not conspiratorially, but um, my internet connection is normally completely rock solid and it has been all week with no dropouts and then the moment I get on the air connection failures begin to happen so to me that's not a coincidence to me you know there's somebody out there doesn't want to hear uh, what I have to say doesn't want other people hearing what I have to say because they know it's having an impact you know and it's not going to stop the only thing that'll stop that is a bullet to my head and that won't even stop it because I'll be back in this prison and doing the same thing speaking truth to end slavery so good luck getting me out of here or silencing me it's not going to happen clowns it isn't going to happen Okay, well, so with that being said, bear with me if there's any more connection failures or dropouts, and you'll understand why that's happening. So, um, I was talking about the ideology of moral relativism, which comes out of this new age notion of solipsism, the idea that there's no such thing as truth. Because if there's no such thing as truth, then there can't be any such thing as right and wrong, because what are right and wrong going to be based on if not true? information, if not truth, if not objective reality, okay? So you you hear this over and over again by people who buy into this religion, and it is a right-brained religion. That's what the New Age movement is. You know, I, I see people making blog posts, uh, making, um, you know, comments in social media sites all the time, comments in YouTube uh, videos, etc., that uh, there's no right and wrong. It's all just a matter of perception. It's all just an experience, and right and wrong are just antiquated concepts and antiquated ideas. You know, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, these people are brainwashed. They have bought into a total right-brained religious system that is holding their consciousness back from reality. These people are in a daze. They're, they're drifting off in some kind of a spiritual haze, okay? They're not grounded whatsoever. And, you know, uh, another thing that I really want to focus on, and I'd like to take some calls on it if people have, you know, something to say about this topic, is that <clears throat> another thing that I see coming out of the New Age community relentlessly, and I mean they're pushing this and you see this on a daily basis, coming out into the mainstream consciousness more and more and more. And it's one of the most deadly, vicious, insidious ideologies that can possibly be adhered to. 
okay? It is the thing that is going to destroy human rights faster than any other line of reasoning or thought. And it is not reasoning at all. It's flawed thought, it's flawed ideology. And it's this idea that there is no such thing as ownership. That all ownership is an illusion. That all ownership is left brain attachment. That all ownership is something that is a construct made up by man that is clinging on to attachment and that wants something more than he or she really does truly um, have a right to or something to that effect. And let me tell you something. I see this... I saw it a lot in the past, but now these people who were propagating this religion are so hammering on this idea, and they have so many people buying into it and believing it. They have useful, dupe, shill, idiot children, morons, believing in this pure nonsense. And yeah, is that an ad hominem attack? Yes, you bet you it is. And like I said before, some ad hominem attacks are true. It's not to try to take the focus away from what I'm saying, because I'm going to sit here and explain exactly why there's ownership. I'm going to explain exactly why this is the most dangerous religious idea, that there is no such thing as true ownership. And it all comes down to an understanding of rights. It all connects in with relativism. It all connects in with right brain imbalance and with solipsism. Okay, It all connects in with this idea of fuzzy logic, that there's nothing that's definitive, that there's nothing that's truly objective. And it's all right brain imbalance. And I'm not telling you go into the form of left brain imbalance either and try to become some kind of a dominator or a rigid skeptic that doesn't accept anything spiritual. That's not the right way of going about things either. There's balance is called for. Balance is needed. Balance is required if we're going to get out of this prison that we're in. You know, so it's not about shifting into the left brain and saying, I need 100% absolute rigid scientific uh, proof, you know, peer reviewed by the scientific community, you know, and, and backed by, you know, government funding to believe in anything, you know, to accept anything as being real. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying go be a dominator and want to push everybody around because you think you own everything, okay? Rights and natural law are ultimately about knowing what we own and knowing what we don't own, ladies and gentlemen. That's the balance that is to be struck. That's the balance that is to be obtained, okay, through knowledge, and this is what these people don't have, who I'm referring to, these, this new age community. The new cage movement is more like it. You know, that's what it really should be, uh, you know, coined. The new cage movement, because it's a prison for the mind. It's a cage for the mind. It's a cage for your thoughts. All rights are based upon ownership. All rights are based upon knowing what we own and what we don't own. Hence, when you make a violation of rights, you are infringing upon what someone else owns in the form of life, freedom, rights, or property. That's what a wrongdoing is, is a violation of those things, is a violation of ownership. That's what sovereignty is about. Sovereignty is self-ownership. You know, the argument is always made by these super right brain imbalanced people, folks, 
the argument is always made that because we live in a spiritual reality, because, oh, at a quantum level, matter really isn't physical, okay? And of course, I understand this. I'm not debating that, okay? But the argument goes, this right brain argument goes, because it's a spiritual reality and matter is like a, a quantum fluctuation in the spiritual reality, and it's not really solid, it only has the appearance of solidity to give us an experience here so that we can learn and grow in the physical slash spiritual domain, that because matter isn't truly solid, that somehow, and since we understand that we live in a spiritual reality, that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience, that that somehow means that there's no such thing as ownership because everything in the physical reality is transient and can never be permanent. Just because there's no permanence in the physical, okay, and yes, everything is a construct within the ultimate spiritual level, the ultimate spiritual domain level of reality, I'm not debating that. I recognize we're living in a quantum hologram, you know, that's what this place is, that's what the whole universe is, it's a quantum hologram, you're living in a constructed experience and it's there to provide learning and growth capabilities, learning and growth opportunities for the individuated soul matter, the individuated soul consciousness that is here, that forms the, the everything, that forms the, the all, the one. Okay, we're all part of that. Agreed and understood. That doesn't mean that there is an individuated ownership within that construct. That doesn't mean because I can't own something eternally that I don't own it while I'm using it. While I'm inhabiting this body, it is my property. I own it. You know, and I, I covered a lot of this information in the natural law seminar and in the natural law section of, um, you know, the, the, the uh, podcasts, the radio material. But I just feel it's so important to go over this again, especially since I'm waiting for some calls to come in. I'm not really sure why they haven't already. Usually, as soon as I give the call-in number, the, the lines are jammed. Maybe the network's having some problems, but no problem. I mean, you know, anybody who knows me knows that I could talk forever. So there's no shortage of material for me to discuss, even though I haven't prepared a show. I'll continue along the lines of uh, talking about the... Uh, absolute devastation of human consciousness that's being wrought by the new age community in our world. Uh, sounds like a, a plan to me until some calls start coming in. But, you know, this idea that because I'm not, my physical flesh body is not eternal, that, and it's going to pass away and die and turn to dust and, you know, uh, eventually to absolutely nothing, that um, somehow that means I don't own my body now, in the now, in the physical construct in which we live. And this is a completely, utterly bunk concept. It's a bunk concept. Again, it's a concept that's brought about by the brain becoming so imbalanced toward the right hemisphere that people think matter is insignificant. Okay? And again, that those who are extreme skeptics and extreme left brain imbalance think matter is all there is, spirit is insignificant or non-existent. And those who are super right brain and super right brain dominant and imbalanced believe that matter doesn't matter, okay, to, to deliberately, uh, you know, cause a pun there, okay? 
they think that matter is meaningless somehow. That that somehow um, <clears throat> anything that you talk about regarding matter or things or objects or the body is somehow attachment. All right, you know it's very, very wise ancient wisdom that I I I, I can't quite remember the philosopher who said it. Maybe I'll think of it, but. An Eastern philosopher once said that attachment, okay, is not about not owning anything, okay? Or I should say release from attachment is not about not owning anything. That Releasing from attachment and releasing from ego doesn't mean that you don't own anything. It means that nothing owns you. Okay, a big difference between those two ideas, you know, and this right brain new age variant here, uh, this right brain new age ideology claims that any form of ownership is attachment. Okay, and that's simply not the case. Okay, ego is not there to be totally purged. Ego is a tool through which we learn and grow and have an experience in the physical domain. Okay, it's not there to be completely purged. Okay. It is there to be understood how it is to be used as a tool of interaction in the physical domain. And through the knowledge that we gain in that domain, we learn about what our property truly is, what we do actually own and use and have ownership of while we're in the physical domain, while we're in the body, and what we don't have a right to own or try to use and coerce when doing so means that we are are treading into someone else's rights, treading onto someone else's rights. So this whole right brain imbalanced thought of any form of ownership as a form of attachment and ego is absolutely untrue. As a matter of fact, the understanding of ownership is the absolute basis for the understanding of rights. If you do not understand what you own and what you don't own, then that means you don't understand truly what a right is, and you don't understand truly the difference between right behavior and wrong behavior. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I apologize once again, another internet dropout, and again, I'm becoming convinced that this is a deliberate attack to try to keep my voice from reaching people. But uh, we do have callers. Uh, the call-in lines are full, so let's start going to the phones. Uh, once again, the call-in number 800-313-9443. Anything you want to talk about, no taboo topics. Uh, let's hear from Tom in Toronto. Tom, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Uh, could um, be better. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, tonight, I'm just going to make it quick. I'm talking about orchestral music okay. and the orchestra and its relevance to ceremonial magic. So, in the orchestra, there are four sections. There are the woodwind, there are the string, there are the brass, and the percussion. So, each of those corresponds to one of the four elements. And lastly, you have the conductor, and he has the conductor's wand or magical wand. So it's really very similar to ceremonial magic in that you call upon four elements in order to, uh, you know, achieve an effect 
Right. So, uh, the strings would correspond to water, and when you listen to strings music, a very emotional sound. Yes. Uh, the brass would correspond to fire, uh, so if you listen to like trumpets or trombone, it creates a very heroic sound. Um, with the percussion, that corresponds to earth, and that gives a very, what's the word, uh, action-y sound. So you right. see like shamans would play the drum at a uh, ceremony in order to get people dancing and right. try to increase the energy in the area. And finally, the woodwinds correspond to the air, and that's, I guess, the intellect. So you can see all of them being conducted by the magician, with the magic wand. Right. Which is very interesting. Oh, uh, absolutely. You- and, and music is such a uh, prime influencing factor for so many people you know it it it, it really is it shifts the emotion say, it changes the thoughts language. yeah even if, even if you don't speak the language you'll understand music and if it like you go anywhere in the universe like you go to mars e or er, c d e f a b c all the notes still the same you can communicate with i don't know other life because it's all based in vibration, and that's universal. Sound yeah, is right, universal. Right, the base that's of right. Physics. <laughs> yeah. Very, very interesting. Oh, very, very interesting topic. You know, uh, as a person who's uh, been around music and uh, been involved with music my whole life, uh, it's something that resonates with me very strongly. So, uh, great, great concept to, to bring up. Yep. Uh, anyway. People should really take into consideration how, when they go to an orchestra, and how they feel during and after. You know, it's uh, probably had a lot to do with how the uh, ancient cathedrals were built, because they uh, made them to be sound resonating uh, buildings, and it, it harnessed a lot of that sound uh, for spiritual purposes. Uh, sorry, I dropped out there for another moment. Those, uh, I was saying that uh, this connects to like the cathedral builders and how they built the ancient cathedrals to uh, be sound resonating structures, and uh, they did that to contain these vibrations and direct them in certain ways that would uh, have an effect upon consciousness uh, of the people that were in that building in that environment. So um, uh, another way that uh, music has been used as a channeling mechanism to. Uh, uh, have it a, a profound effect upon human consciousness. Well, that's all I'm going to say for now, Mark. So. Absolutely, Tom. Great call. Uh, uh, very profound. Uh, you know, idea. Uh, you know, talking about the uh, the way that um, the uh, different elements of the orchestra correspond to the different uh, elements of nature, uh, specifically in occult traditions of earth, air, water, and fire. Haven't thought about that too much uh, in that way myself, but it most certainly makes sense to me. So thank you for that. Uh, Let's hear from Elaine in California. Elaine, you are on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Yeah, I have a couple of thoughts, actually, and uh, that I've always wanted to run by you. Sure. But the first one is, uh, you know, the old saying, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Sure. Well... My uh, my thought, my question is, when you look around, you listen to people, uh, conversation, what they're doing, what they're watching, what they're saying, 
it, it has the appearance people just um, they're not quite getting with the program here. No. And what concerns me is even some of the top top uh, conservative or patriotic uh, conservative uh, alternative talk shows and things like that. Right. I'm curious. Now, I am not a rocket scientist, and I believe that the pen's mightier than the sword and all that kind of stuff. But why is it we don't have people shouting from the rooftops at this point in time with all the um, stuff that is coming our way in big-time evil? Why is not the, the mention of stop paying your taxes as a solution to this baloney sure. that's going on in D.C. I agree. You know, but the, I, the, I can't be one of the only handful that have thought of that as a, maybe as a, a wake. I've, I've talked about the complete illegitimacy of all forms of taxation from pretty much day one on this show. And I think it's absolutely something that people should do if, to the extent that it is within their ability. And sorry, had another small drop out there. Uh, uh, Elaine, uh, can you hear me? Am I back up? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, sorry. I, I was saying that I think that's an excellent idea that, uh, you know, uh, I've talked about the illegitimacy of taxation in general for any purpose, for any reason, corporate, personal, or otherwise, uh, from day one pretty much on uh, what on earth is happening. And I think that's one way that people give their energy and complicity to the the system of control and I think if they refuse to do that by refusing to work in any position that withheld taxation for the state then you know that would be if we did this in mass the whole system would shut down the, we could shut the world down if we agreed to yep. do that in mass you know let's have nothing flowing anywhere and then let's see how the the so-called masters like that you know it, the the whole point I is is people are ultimately complicit. They're complicit at some level to what is going on. Yeah. Like you said, they're not mad enough to get involved. And here we go, another dropout. Can you hear me? Yep. People Mark, can't... Are you there? Yeah, yeah, can you hear me? I can now, yeah. Okay, if people can't tell that this is a deliberate effort, you know, to try to silence me, then, and it, 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 what it, what it is, folks, is a validation of everything I've been saying. That's, that's what they're doing. So thank you for that. Thank you, you know, all the people on the, on the back end who are launching these can attacks. I, can I, uh, may I make another thought? Sure, another abs thought absolutely. Uh, a gentleman named Ralph Ring, I'm sure you've heard of him. He worked with a protege of Nikola Tesla, and back in the in the late uh, 1980s, I believe it was, they have invented a craft that runs on consciousness. Mark, it appears to me that the human race, if they would just break, have the cojones, excuse me, have the guts to break their chains, we could all live free and beyond what we could ever imagine. The yep. technology, the imagination has already put it out there. What are we waiting for? People are in fear of true freedom. That's what it really ultimately comes down to. They love their chains. And when you say this to people, they get yep. about pe to people who are partially awake. Oops, can't they, hear you. Can you hear me now? 
Okay. When, when, you, when you say this to people who are partially awake, they kind of get angry because they don't want to believe that the majority of the human population loves their slavery. They want to remain childish, immature, spiritual babies because what that means is they're not responsible for anything. This is what the whole thing is about. The rejection of personal responsibility. And only spiritual children reject their own personal individual responsibility. And that's what we, we are. The human race is largely a child race that has been abandoned by its cosmic parents, which is what the whole cosmic abandonment thesis and presentation is entirely about. And so they're looking for surrogate parents. They want people to provide structure and, you know, tell them what to do so that they don't have to think, so that they don't have to own up to their own personal responsibility to choose right over wrong. They don't want... Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The interruptions to the information I'm trying to put out there to the public continue. And the only thing I want to say about this is, what does it say about the kind of human being that would try to stifle an individual who is trying to promote human freedom and end slavery? That they would take a paycheck to try to do something to thwart that individual's efforts and take their voice off the airwaves. Secondly, what it definitively says about the people who hire little clown infantile children to do that job, okay, is it validates everything I've been saying since day one of this radio broadcast. And in anybody's mind who is listening and who has a modicum of common sense, they will understand that what I'm saying is true. So let's go back to the phone lines and continue. Let's hear from Joe in, is it Los Angeles or Louisiana? Joe, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Uh, It's Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Welcome. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Mark. Absolutely. Um, I do have a question. I do have a question for you. Sure. I, yeah, you you are being attacked. You, sh- you should hear it on our end. The, it's just it's just continuous music over and over again. The, your poor dispatcher or whoever does the phone, he can't get through. I mean, it's this is an attack. I mean, it's yeah, so obvious. To, to the credit of uh, my producer Manny, he's doing a great dro- job trying to deal with this and mitigate it. And you know, uh, again, clearly this is a deliberate effort, and it's not going to dissuade me in any way. So you know, do your worst. And the whole point is, is I want to thank the people doing it because, like I said, all they're doing is validating my message. So great job! Thanks for helping me. You know. Oh, totally, and 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 that's exactly it. You let me just. Let, I do have a question for you, but let me just have at these bitches. You know what? You have no idea what's coming for you. First of all, your thirty-three thousand dollars a year that you're making listening <laughs> listening to the Bush cabal to do their bidding, it's going to be worth nothing in a few months. That's why all these wars are going on, you ding dongs, because Russia and China started a new bank called BRICS, 
And that's going to end the Fed and end stuff very quickly. Why do you think there's all this desperation to fight, cause these wars, uh, uh, these shootings? These, it's all false flags. You're done. So hold on to that 33000 Better yet, convert it to gold. Do something because it's gone. It's gone. They're becoming but, more anyway. and more desperate, aren't they? I mean, it's desperation. Oh, you know, that, that's, that's the sign it. That's the sign of an entire paradigm's death pangs. That's what you're witnessing here, folks. These are the death pangs of a paradigm that is dying. And these people are right. desperately trying to scramble and hold on to it. And they have their little minions, their, their willing house slaves that want to go along with their agenda. You know, there'll always be people like that. But, you know, it's, uh, it's pathetic, really, is what it is. And... Um, you know, we can't let that dissuade us from speaking truth. Mark, yes. it is not. And I, and I got news for you. And I, and I will speak on behalf of your listeners because I, I sense it in their voices. We don't care. I will sit on these headphones. I will listen to all the music, all the commercials, because it does not dissuade the spirit of me connecting with you and your listeners. Tough stuff, guys. You've already lost. That's right. One, you cannot break the bond nor the knowledge and love that this man, Mark Passio, has been giving of himself. He has permeated through the states, through the BS, because you know where you guys fouled up? The Internet. You fouled up, and you yep. did it at your Olympic ceremonies and all your stuff to try to make it hocus-pocus. BS, man. And you know what? It's too late. We are reached. We're reached. And what Mark said, he goes, I'll put a bullet to the head. I'll come back to the next life because you know why most of us know this life is a recycled life for most of these sheeple. There's a few of us that know, go ahead, kill me. I don't care. You That's know what? Right. My, li- my life is not recycled. It's up at the three, the Se- Sephiroth number three, understanding the death card. I know that there's renewal. Kill me because you can't take my knowledge. Stick a false Ebola a vaccine. Do whatever you try. You can hold me down. Doesn't matter. When I die, I take it all with me and I come back, give it back to you because I truly love you. Don't hate you. I love you. You cannot break the spell of Mark Passio. Now, I do have a question. Sure. <laughs> Joe, thank, all- thank you so much for that. And I totally agree. That's what this is all about, is coming together and standing within the spirit of truth. And once you're in that power, nothing's going to stop you. Uh, you know, And it doesn't make a difference, like you said, if we are taken even out of the physical domain, uh, nothing uh, passes the power, nothing transcends the power of the human spirit, ultimately, and that, because that's our ultimate essence. You know, So exactly- nothing's going to stop this truth from breaking forward and getting out there and ultimately transforming this place. It's too late. So here's my question. Sure. You did an interview with, um, I think it was um, Andre Weber. It was your very last entry. Uh, Alfred Weber, yes, from from exopolitics.com. That's right. That's right. You let a little bit of a cat out of the bag, and I have to hit you up on it. Okay. What what happened to you? You said there's a little kernel around a minute and uh, an hour and ten minutes in. You said... I have first-hand experience with with ETs. Why well, I, ha- I, well, I have sure I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, not with actual beings, but I had a uh, very very close encounter. You might say uh, what people might call a close encounter of the either second 
uh, of the second kind, not not the third, because that involves the witnessing of of uh, beings of non non terrestrial beings, which I did not have. But I had a daylight sighting of a craft at close distance, at close range, probably uh, within three hundred feet, maybe less. And uh, I'll 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 tell you a little bit about it since you asked. That's a good topic to get into. It's uh, something I don't usually talk about that much on this show, but uh, I uh, did have an experience while I was working in Philadelphia at a former job. Uh, I worked um, as a technical support technician in the University of Pennsylvania years ago, and I was. It was uh, the middle of the day, about two p.m. in the afternoon, on a. Um, <clears throat> On a fall afternoon, uh, it was October, mid-October, and it was uh, very bright out. Uh, it wasn't cloudy. It wasn't raining. It was uh, clear weather, clear visibility. And I was on the ninth floor uh, where I had an office uh, in one of the buildings on the Penn campus, uh, the, the um, uh, School of Medicine. And I <clears throat> looked out my window, and coming through the medical, um, the School of Medicine campus, there was a small craft. Uh, and I say small because when people think of UFOs, they usually think of pretty large objects. Uh, and it was not a ball of light. It was not a series of lights. Uh, it was not anything that morphed. It was a solid craft, unlike anything of Earth origin that I have ever witnessed. Um, it was so black that no light reflected off of it at all. It was like a black hole, okay, literally. Uh, I'll pick up this description on the other side. Stay with us, folks. Everyone, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We were talking to Joe in Los Angeles before the break, and he asked me if I had ever had any um, uh, encounters with what might possibly be non-human uh, intelligence. And um, I was talking about a former UFO sighting that I had. Uh, I believe this was back in... Um, 2006 or 2007, and I was talking about the experience. Uh, he heard me uh, briefly allude to this on an interview that I did with uh, Alfred Lambermont Weber uh, from exopolitics.com. Uh, I neglected to mention this at the top of the show. Perhaps I should now real quick. If you go to the uh, news section of my website or look at the latest news section on the left-hand side of the site, uh, you'll see that I was interviewed on exopolitics.com uh, September 24th, and uh, that interview is posted. It's a video interview with Alfred Weber, who was one of the speakers at both Free Your Mind conferences. 
a really great gentleman who's uh, put out a lot of uh, research and information and done a lot of activism uh, to uh, better this world. And um, he interviewed me a few weeks back, a pre-recorded interview, and it just went uh, up live this week. So people can definitely check that out and check out Alfred's site at exopolitics.com. But uh, the caller um, asked me about if I had any sightings. And I was starting to get into the story. I was working one day when I used to work at the University of Pennsylvania. I was on the ninth floor where my office was uh, of a research building. And I looked out the window and I saw a black craft floating by silently. Now, my window faced a hospital, uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And there was always helicopters landing on the roof of that building. And the amount of sound that that generates is just enormous. It practically shook the windows in the building where I worked. And it's undeniable when there's any other type of craft going by in that vicinity. Any type of, uh, you know, earthly craft. Uh, This craft was about the size of a SUV. I would say, if I had to make a general estimate of its size, you know, um, maybe the size of an explorer or something like that. And it was so black that no light reflected off of it. Like, make a, you know, a black square in a computer program, like in Photoshop. Just make a square and then fill it in completely black. That's how black it was impossible even blacker than that if there is such a thing i mean it was like looking into a void which is very unearthly and otherworldly in and of itself you don't usually see materials like that it was as if this machine or whatever it was um had the ability to completely absorb light in every spectrum um and nothing reflected from it and the shape was like a bird believe it or not. Um, And I always give people who I talk about this uh, sighting with the example of if you're familiar at all with the television series Star Trek The Next Generation, not the original Star Trek series, but The Next Generation, um, the Romulans use a craft, the Romulan uh, people, the uh, aliens known as the Romulans, use a craft called the Warbird. And if you take that shape of the warbird and just make it like completely solid with no uh, holes or no, um, you know, openings in it at all, and you shrunk it like significantly down to like the size of a large car or a small truck, this is the type of drone craft that this was. And it floated from the north, northwest to the southeast, I would say at a very, very um, slow speed. And I say floated because that's what it was like. It wasn't like this was being propelled. It wasn't like a rocket or anything like that moving fast. It was floating silently as if it was on a cloud of air, you know, and just drifting, almost like a balloon would drift. Except this thing had the most peculiar shape to it And the most peculiar properties that it did not reflect light in any way. And it floated maybe 
you know, at about 90 to 100 feet in the air and at about a distance of about 250 to 300 feet from the window where I was at, maybe less. And it then proceeded out uh, toward the southern direction, um, toward South Philadelphia. Uh, This um, building where I was at is in University City, which is in the western part of the city, just uh, over the Schuylkill River. And I immediately tried to grab for my cell phone. Again, I had a pretty primitive cell phone back then, uh, you know, one of these flip-style phones um, from that era. And it had a low uh, pixel density digital camera in it, but that's all I had where I was at, in the office where I was at. So I went and I reached for that to try to get a recording or a picture of it. And as I reached for the phone, I realized the battery was dead. It had drained and I did not have it plugged in. So I could not take a picture. And uh, so what I immediately did to get the experience quote documented, I guess you could say, is I immediately called Barb. Um, And while I was on the phone, you know, I called her in a state of excitement and I said, hey, I'm having a UFO sighting right now. And it was still happening. I was on the phone telling her what was going on while I was still, still had my eyes on the craft and it's floating and making slow, steady progress toward South Philadelphia, uh, which is, you know, toward the, the area where I live, but not quite that far. And it then stopped and floated stationary over an area of the city here in Philadelphia, the, the neighborhood known as Gray's Ferry, because I could see landmarks from that area that I pa- passed by often on the way to work when I worked at Penn. And this craft just stayed stationary in the sky, like it just stopped and hovered completely silently. Again, I, I never heard any noise from it. At this point, it would have been too distant probably to hear any noise coming from it if it was emanating any sound. But um, it stayed floating for probably a good minute or two. And I was talking to Barb and telling her what was happening. She was suggesting all possible alternative explanations for what I was witnessing. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is like nothing I've ever seen. I know what general, uh, generally just about every aircraft possible would look like that would come through this area. This is nothing like, and not even remotely similar to anything like that. So for a, a brief moment while I was talking to Barb, I averted my glance and looked down at something. And as soon as I went back to that area with my eyes, the craft was gone. It had vanished completely. I I didn't see it move off. Okay. I didn't see it go up, go, you know, to another area of the city. It just completely vanished from my sight as soon as I took my attention away from it for a split second. Okay. That was my experience. It's very bizarre. Um, I can't explain it. I can't tell you what that was. I can tell you what it was not through a process of apophysis or elimination or saying what it was not. That I can do. It was not any earthcraft I've ever seen or know of or know about. It was not any technology I know of or know about or have ever witnessed or seen. So, you know, when people say, oh, you were just witnessing uh, uh, secret military aircraft, Okay, well, what are they flying secret military aircraft in the middle of the day in a populated area of of West Philadelphia, University City? And again, no one else saw this. You know, I, 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 I looked, you know, 
in, in both directions down the hallway. There was no one there who seemed to have witnessed it. I went to a couple of adjacent offices. There was no one in them. I went downstairs to the, to the, uh, there's a restaurant and a, and a, uh, like a, a big lobby, uh, down in front of this building. I went down there to see if anybody had seen anything. No one was looking up at the sky, both indoors and outdoors. No one was talking about anything. And I, I mean, I went down immediately after this, after I hung up the phone, I said, I'll call you back. I went immediately got on the elevator, went downstairs to see if anybody had seen anything out, out there when this happened. Uh, you know, and, you know, obviously doing it, you know, so as not to, you know, draw a whole lot of attention, just going out there and seeing, hey, is anybody looking up at the sky? Is anybody talking about anything that they might have seen? It was nothing unusual whatsoever. Um, so that was, that was my uh, close encounter. And it definitely changes you when something like that happens. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back after this break. Stay with us. Back everyone, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. On a night plagued with some vicious attacks by those who don't want to hear the truth or to have it spread to others, uh, that's fine. We're going to plod along as we must. We're taking your calls this show. You make the show. Anything is fair game. No taboo topics. Again, there never are here. Um, the toll-free number to join us, 800-313-9443. Um, I just want to wrap up this story about this sighting uh, and just bring a couple of uh, quick points to people's attention regarding you know, certain um, uh, cliches that are often brought out when somebody sees something like this. And the first one is, well, are you sure it wasn't a military, secret military craft? Well, you know, isn't that still the biggest news in human history, pretty much? You know, hey, if military have craft like that, okay, that can float, hover, completely silent, propelled with some form of anti-gravitic technology... Why are we still driving around in combustion engine cars, polluting the earth, confined to 2D space, jam-packed on roads, all kinds of moving components, expensive, etc., when this kind of clean and clearly exotic technological propulsion and transportation methodology clearly exists, if that were the case? And why doesn't the public know about it? So what, they, they have a right somehow to develop this for weapons of destruction, but the public doesn't have a right to possess that same technology for transportation and whatever other means we might be able to use it for? That, that cover-up still wouldn't be the biggest story in the history of the world. 
you know? I just have to laugh at people when they bring this up as if, oh, that's, that's nothing, you know? It's just military. Back to bed, you know? It's utterly ridiculous. It's an utterly ridiculous justification, even if it were that. Now, do I have to keep an open mind that maybe this is some sort of black ops project, you know, black budget project, I should say? Absolutely. You know, maybe they're working on uh, light bending or refracting technology. Maybe they're working on some type of cloaking technology. Who knows? You know, obviously it was anti-gravitic propulsion of some kind because it made zero sound. I mean, none. No air currents disturbed to, to the best of my ability to tell. So, um, you know, that, that pretty much is really what I wanted to get at. You know, the people who kind of uh, bring up this cliche of, well, it probably was just military. Well, even if it was, that's still a huge, huge deal. And people should be talking about it. I personally, if I had to make a, an assessment and a best guesstimate, I would guess that this was not of human origin, personally. From what I witnessed, I don't think humanity even has technology like that. Now, people will say, oh, we have technology hundreds of years from the breakaway civilization that's operating on this planet. Yeah, maybe so. But even if that were one of ours and somebody, you know, a human being were piloting it, I don't really think we got that, we developed that technology on our own personally. That's just my take. You know, people are free to disagree with that. But, um, I feel that that was something that was of an archonic nature, let's just say, okay? And when something like that is done in the dark, I don't really think that it's for good purposes, quite frankly. I don't have a good... I don't have a good feeling in general about the entire alien, quote, uh, slash UFO phenomenon in general because I think that they have interfered with people's personal sovereignty on this planet. Uh, you, we could get into discussions about abductions possibly at, at some future point. Um, I haven't really covered that material as of yet. Um, it certainly interconnects with the cosmic abandonment thesis and information. And again, I want to provide a little bit more you know, evidence to support that whole thesis in coming weeks. Um, you know, before I move on into different top, different topics of discussion. But um, in general, I don't think this phenomenon is something that has our better interest at heart. Uh, it may certainly be simply self-interested and uh, operating according to its own agenda, but I definitely don't think it has our betterment in mind. That's just my take on it. There, again, would be people who highly disagree with that. Um, I think that good works are done in the light of day, and dark works are done in secrecy and darkness. Okay? Just my take on it. Uh, let's move on to another caller. Uh, Joe, uh, before we move on, I want, wanted to say uh, thank you to Joe, the, uh, the last caller, because the comments that he made were uh, very encouraging and uh, very heartening, and I really appreciate uh, you know, the things that he said. So uh, let's move on to hear from Mike in Kentucky. Mike, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Mike, are you with us? Am I on? Yes, there you go. You're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. Yeah, some interesting audio problems you've been having. I, I, indeed. Uh, you mentioned something way back before you started taking callers, and I think it's a foundational principle that a lot of people are, uh, that, that's a great way to pull the foundation out of legitimate government in this land is the idea 
that property is fundamental to the uh, natural basic rights that we have. Or <laughs> if you don't have property uh, or the ability to own property, right? Then what do you have? I mean, that's well. That's well the, the question thing. becomes: What then are you? By yeah. definition, you're a you serf. Have, your property is your speech. Right. I mean, uh, your speech is your property. A, 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 a non-property owner is a serf yeah. living on the land. You know, just in tr- that land is somehow just entrusted to them as a, a landlord. You know, a lord would entrust a feudal serf to to a piece of land, but if they don't do the bidding of the master of that land, then you know they they somehow lose the ability to live on that. You know, well, are we serfs on the land, or are or are we sovereign individuals? Are we slaves? You know, that a master is keeping on a plantation. Well, I reject that out- outright wholesale i reject that you know that, that that we are somehow legitimate serfs or legitimate slaves there is no such thing as the legitimacy of serfdom or slavery it's always illegitimate because it's always based on coercion and violence which are against natural law and our wrongdoings and and therefore i can't see how anybody who claims that they want freedom or claims that they want to understand rights you know, could possibly not grasp the idea of the legitimacy of ownership in the physical domain. And it, again, it doesn't mean, folks, like I was saying, it doesn't mean that I own something forever. I don't own this computer forever. I don't own, you know, this printer forever. I don't own this this hard drive forever, this lamp forever. But while I'm using them, they are my property. I am in stewardship of them, if you want to use that terminology. It's it's splitting of hairs, okay? you Nobody can own anything forever. So to talk about concepts of forever are meaningless. It's it's just meaningless. Uh, it, it's 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 drivel, really, is what it is. It, it's 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 um, getting involved in semantic debate as opposed to looking at the reality of the situation from a simplistic point of view. And that is, we own our bodies. We own the things that we acquired lawfully without harming somebody else and are using and that includes property living space etc okay that these are legitimate claims uh, you i can't make the claim i own all the water in the world or i own all, all the water in the city of philadelphia that's not a legitimate claim because other people needed to survive okay i could say the water in this house which i am using right now is my property Okay, I've bottled some some water in this house, so I have it for my personal usage. That is mine. I have staked a claim to it because I am using it and intending to use it over the next few days. So that's my water. Somebody would not have a right to just come in here and take it. You know, it's the same. It's the same thing with anything else. If you don't understand what property rights are, you don't understand any rights. You know, then you're getting involved in, you know, going down the dangerous trail the dangerous path of um allowing for the violation of rights to take place if you don't understand property you know people give this example oh the native americans here had no concept of property and i I tell people really you don't think that they did You, you think if one of the native american people went into the teepee of a husband and his wife and tried to throw them out of there in the middle of the night that that those two people wouldn't have a problem with that because that's what property is they're using it they're using that space
you're listening to what on earth is happening we're into the third hour of the show despite a couple of setbacks the show continues on and we're taking your calls tonight the toll-free number to join us 800-313-9443 we were talking to mike in kentucky who had brought up the point of how central the concept of ownership is to understanding and preserving rights keeping them you know um and i was saying that people who don't understand the nature of true property of what we really own and what we do not own of real ownership cannot truly understand natural law that's why people who think this way should go back and listen to my natural law seminar watch that seminar look at the slides go through it slowly if you have to Take your time with it. Take, take it over several days or a week. Okay? I get into the concept of ownership and what it is. What constitutes ownership? You know, it's, the, it's rightful acquisition without violence to someone else. And then it's actively using it on a continual basis. And then it's being responsible for it. And if, you're, if that applies to a thing, you own it. Hey, that's why I own my body. There's a reason. It's not just a statement or a claim. There's reasons to back it up. Okay? And they make perfect common sense if we think about them on a natural law level. On a level regarding, is violence being done? Is coercion being done or not? Okay? And then that makes the difference between us understanding what we own and what we do not own. And uh, I want to thank Mike from uh, Kentucky for bringing up that point. Uh, it's something that more people really, really need to think about at a deep fundamental level and, and understand completely. So, Mike, thank you for the call. Let's hear from Chris in Las Vegas. Chris, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Well, good evening, Mark, and what an interesting evening you've had so far. Has been, hasn't it? You know, as Mike was speaking, I think it was George Washington that said that private property and liberty were inseparable and mutually interdependent. You could not have one without the other. I agree. Also, you it's such an interesting evening here. There's so many things. I'm sitting here working on a land patent case where land was stolen by the bar down in uh, Louisiana from a bunch of tribal family members that had it from a Spanish land grant. And they did it in a abjured or a not jurisdictional location to obstruct them. So I'm helping fight some people fight for the land to get it back where it was stolen by the bar, several hundred acres. Should be quite interesting. Well, I but, wish you luck with that. Oh, and also you had noticed uh, since you've been having such flack, we know that 
we're over the target if we're catching lots of flack. And you've been catching lots of it tonight. That's right. But truth is the first casualty of war in the empire of lies. And so you're obviously seeing great uh, interest in that respect. And that's okay. You know, it's something that I guess I'm going to have to accept uh, and make some contingency plans for. And, you know, um, all, all it does, like I said, is it helps me because it's validating my message to everyone out there, you know, and they'll hear this archived in the podcast and it'll make them think, you know, about everything I've said in the past and how now this is coming under attack deliberately, quite blatantly and clearly. And, uh, you know, it's going to validate, it's going to only serve to validate everything I've said to this point. So, you know, like I said, they could do their worst. Well, you had mentioned you were going to go to an occult conference and speak on those topics here in the near future, and we might talk about the actual etymology of the word term occult, which means secret knowledge, I think. That's it, hidden knowledge. That is all the occult comprises. It's hidden knowledge of how the human psyche works and operates, and it's hidden knowledge about how the laws of nature operate, both in the realm of the seen, meaning the physical laws, and in the realm of the unseen, meaning the spiritual laws that govern creation. Let me share a couple of things that you may have some knowledge of, but you may not know quite all that I'm going to share with you this evening. I think you probably know where the term ISIS actually uh, came from its reiteration, not considering its original Pharisee, Pharaoh, ancient Egypt, or Kemet uh, utilization for the ancient demon goddess of war and destruction and fertility. But we know it was uh, reformed in the... Uh, I think about late 90, early 90s or so, uh, by Mossad uh, from the British MI6, which I think stands for Mossad in Israel, and of course the six-point star, the star bar chamber of Satan. And so if you given that, then we've got this new iteration of this new terrible terrorist group that's even worse than ISIS, they call Khorasan, and my inspired interpretation tells me that it's actually Ka Horus on or Ka Horus Sha'an, like Hashatan, which is Satan or Lucifer. And of course, Horus was the consort of Isis. And so it's uh, not without pretty interesting suggestions that the same people that have these diabolic agendas of looking to these ancient demonic gods and goddesses to perpetrate their frauds on the American public and these false flag pretense events uh, would carry out the same cohesive connection or Lexus nexus to their storylines. It's an interesting well, interpretation, and, you know, I've talked a lot about the ancient uh, Comitian uh, pantheon of gods and goddesses uh, here on this show, and, um, um, you know, Isis I look at as... Um, a, a goddess figure that represented truth and love, not so much that you could look at, at different goddesses and incarnations as having a negative aspect. But um, uh, I look at this whole thing as yet another symbolic attack on the goddess energy in general, uh, as uh, attacking care, as attacking truth, as attacking love, as attacking higher consciousness to keep people in fear. And one of the things I think we really have to be vigilant about is the possibility of 
new false flag attacks coming to keep the consciousness of the people rooted in fear. And uh, they're doing this by propagating on the media that this group is so huge and has so many, you know, sleeper cells and has so many assets at their disposal. When, you know, I mean, we really didn't hear about these groups that much, even only a year ago. And one of the things that I do agree with is that uh, that you said is that these groups were all really ultimately created by intelligence agencies. We're talking about intelligence agencies of the United States, of Britain, of Israel, coming together to form these um, very sick, twisted, militant uh, forms of Islam. But we really did this. We created this. Our intelligence agencies made this so that they can um, continue to justify their existence and continue to justify the... Um, imperialist military incursions into these other uh, lands and to uh, seize their resources and, and oppress their people. So, um, you know, interesting um, interesting interpretations. Chris, and I want to thank you for the call. And one I want to, yes, you. sure. One more thing for you. We know that Eric Holder resigned on Thursday. Yes. So if you've got to consider what the true nature of the months are, and if we look at the actual months and the numerological relationships, we know that the month preceding October, which is the eighth month, is September, meaning the seventh month. Of course, we had the two fabricated months by Pope Gregor and the Julian calendar, when they added July and August, or right. Aji just us. All right? So if you give that September is actually the seventh month, not right. the ninth month, then the 24th, 25th, which was Thursday, is seven, and 2014 is seven, so... Eric Holder hit the jackpot. He got three seven. <laughs> Quite interesting. <laughs> Chris, thanks. Thanks for that. They're all about numerology, aren't they? You know the day destroys the night. Night divides the day. Try to run. Try to hide. Break on through to the other Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We're taking your calls for the duration of the show. Let's go right back to the phone lines, and let's hear from Brandon in Boston. Brandon, you are live on What on Earth is, hap- is Happening. Welcome. Hello? Hello, Brandon. You're live on the air. Brandon? Are you there? Yep. Okay, there he is. Okay, wrong, yeah, okay. No worries. What do you have for us this evening? All right, yeah, first of all, um, well, I just wanted to give a kind of a a slap to uh, moral relativism. Sure, go right Uh, ahead. Yeah, I want to give an example, because I've I've fought this battle for a long time, and I lived in um, an area that was rabid with um, postmodernism and feminism and uh, relativism, and um, you know, I might have even fallen into that trap of uh, you had all these new age books like uh, the Dancing Wooly Masters that was and uh, the Tao of Physics and things like that, things that wanted to equate God with um, uh, quantum physics. And the problem with that is that that's just one interpretation. That's the Copenhagen t- interpretation of how quantum physics works. Just one interpretation of what came out of that whole movement. 
I think that's why Einstein said that God doesn't play dice. Um, that in fact relativism only applies on the quantum square scale. It's not to be apply, applied on the human scale. Um, another way I would get into arguments, I'd say um, people would often say to me, "Well, there is no truth. Um, uh, there is no good." And uh, and they say, "Well, I say, well, is that is that statement true?" <laughs> it kind of stop them in the tracks, and if it's true, then there is truth. <laughs> there you if go. False, then that's false, and there's nothing. It's nihilism. Another way I'd, I'd do that, um, and that's just truth. So let's go on to morality. Um, I, t- I often teach that seminars on philosophy and, and to feminists and stuff like that, and there'd be a guy or two in the class, and I'd say, well, there is no truth. There is no real good or evil. Come on. And because, well, okay, there's no, but what is it then? Well, it's based on, it's all based on power, you know. Real good and evil is based on who has the power at the time. And you can see in history how it sways from one, what's good in one age is bad in another age, okay? I say, okay, well, right now I have the power. I'm going to separate the class into two groups, men and women. And all the men are going to get A's, and all the women are going to fail. Well, that's what's it? immediately from the. Well, that's unfair. Mm-hmm. What grounds? Nothing. Because if you're in power and you get to make up what's right and wrong, well, then that's right, isn't it? Yes, and it's and in fact, it's rooted in extreme narcissism. Um, it's basically saying what is truthful is truth move for me. That's right. I uh, call this the arbiter of truth syndrome. That's my personal little branding or coining of this dis- mentally diseased condition that people have fallen into. That they believe that humanity can somehow be the arbiter of truth. That we get to decide what tr- what is true and what is not true instead of through opening our perceptions and taking in what's really there, discovering what is true for ourselves. Yep. So, you know, and, um, and uh, you know, uh, some really great books on this. It's just um, C.S. Lewis's The Abolition of Man. He says about relativism, he said it will surely damn our souls and end and, and the world and ruin and, and, and damn our souls. Okay. And he and Oxonians are not, you know, they're not really, they don't really exaggerate that much. Um, uh, But so, and then, you know, you have people like, um, uh, you know, relativists, they're just stuck in this possible, I call it, I call it boomeritis, because it seems to take hold with the boomer baby age, that whole The people who were plopped down in front of the television by the so-called greatest generation after that generation uh, fought World War II and then thought everything was just peachy keen in the whole world and they rested on their laurels, weren't vigilant whatsoever and were completely asleep at the switch while this country was taken from the inside by both Nazism and Communism and they plopped their children down, they accepted all the new technological innovations that came into their lives around that time and said, well... We don't need to really truly raise our children and plop them down in front of a TV, fed them TV dinners, and the state took their minds, in short order, I might add. And if people think that's too harsh of a, of a judgment to pass upon both the so-called greatest generation and the baby boomer generation, well, guess what? Look, look around and take a look at where we're at right now. 
Okay, that's a result of people being asleep at the switch. Very well put, and they're they're the most. I on I think the baby boomer generation is the reason why we are stuck at the where we at where we are at right now. The baby boomer gen, the so called greatest generation, has they, which also includes the sixties. By the way, I would no, I'm, the greatest generation. I'm talking about World War II era, and then their 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 children, their next generation, would be considered the baby boomer generation. You know, I'm talking about those two generations being largely responsible for where we are at now in human history, uh, at least in the United States. You know, it's uh, it's. Um, it's something that many people don't want to talk about. And I'm not just pointing fingers and saying, oh, it's all just that group. Of course, a lot of people bear responsibility for it. But really, the uh, the powers that should not be slammed through so many agendas during that time period and just slipped it right by people's minds in both of those generations. Because, like I said, they were just completely asleep at the switch they were distracted they were you know uh raised on television particularly the baby boomer generation they were raised on tv the propaganda worked so well on them because it was fresh it no one had analyzed it no one had understood how it worked and they they took their minds at a very very deep level most of them now i'm not making a blanket statement i'm not saying all of them were taken but the vast majority for certain yeah and you know, I know it's just reading that um, uh, Mussolini and uh, Mao Zedong—they were—they were more relativists. Oh, sure. The fascism sure. and communism. Oh, that's oh, oh, a—it's a cornerstone of both of those ideologies. Cornerstone of both of those political ideologies is moral relativism. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, it's a very—it really is the most dangerous thing out there. I'm glad you're fighting that good fight, Mark, and I hope in Connecticut. Absolutely. I'm glad you're fighting it as well. Keep up the great work, Brandon. Brandon, thanks so much for the call. Let's hear from Frank in Montreal. Frank, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Okay, hi. Uh, great show, by the way. Um, first time I heard of you uh, is uh, when you were uh, giving an interview in Montreal from uh, people from uh, Radio H2O. Oh, yes. Great show, so, by um, the way. Yeah, and uh, so you got a couple of new listeners there. Franco Heward yeah. and his crew, yes. Great. Yeah, pretty, pretty glad you went there. Um, I'd like to, um, I'd like to um, ask a question about uh, the cyclic nature of time. It's something that you've talked a little bit about, but uh, I, would, I would like to have a little bit more precision about um, how past uh, events could repeat uh, today. Sure. Um, if it's something that uh, actually happens, that the, the time is actually cyclic and non-linear, how can we how can we see today and what's going on today? Frank, uh, this is a great question. I'm glad you've asked it. It's something I do want to clarify more and talk a little bit more on. So, when when people say time is cyclical, I think that gives a wrong impression in most people's minds that events somehow are. Uh, doomed to reoccur and that's not the case I would say that time has a cyclical quality to it but it itself is not cyclical and I'll pick up what I mean by that on the other side of this break stay with us folks
welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Frank from Montreal uh, asked a question before the last break uh, for me to clarify my understanding of the cyclical uh, nature of time. I said it's not so much a cyclical nature as uh, that time has a cyclical quality to it. And let me finish explaining that. See, it's not so much that events recur and we're somehow doomed to repeating the same things over and over again. It's that tendencies seem to keep being put before us. And if we don't learn from the events that we collectively have experienced in a, in a past cycle, then the results will more than likely, more likely than not, be repeated and be the same. And often maybe even worse because we did not get the lesson that was intended for us as a species to learn during the previous cycle. These are what some researchers have called choice points in time. Okay? And we have an opportunity to evolve during those choice points. You know, because we have an opportunity to learn from past mistakes and to understand the patterns that have been inherent to this cyclical quality within time. Okay? So, again, you cannot take this to mean that time is a, is a circle. You have to look at it like time is a spiral staircase, you know? If you get the lesson, you're going to go up around or a notch, up the spiral. And if you don't, you're going to get bumped down one, okay? And it's going to look similar, but the events will be still different. You're not doomed to repeat them unless, as the old saying goes, you don't learn from history. You don't learn from the previous cycle, you know? The the saying is not humanity is doomed to repeat history. The saying is humanity is doomed to repeat history if we ignore its lessons. And that's what, you know, the preservation of knowledge is all about. Passing that down to future generations so they don't make the same mistakes that we have made so that instead they learn and grow from those experiences. I hope that clarifies it. I don't really know, you know, any other way of of putting it to make it more clear. So I hope that's uh, you know, somewhat understandable. Uh, and I want to thank you for your call. I want to try to get in some more callers before the end of the show. Let's hear from Mike in New York. Mike, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome, my friend. Hi, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. All, always great um, to I, hear from you. I just wanted to bring up uh, real quick for, for the abduction you were talking about, maybe getting to down the road. Uh, Dr. Carla Turner uh, has some great information and um, you know, I thought she'd be worth bringing up uh, as a topic, but um, I wanted to really bring up the, the fact that uh, you, you had said uh, mostly humanity really does have a, a tendency towards self-hatred. Yes. And that, that ultimately is our biggest downfall, is, is what's stopping us um, from moving forward or up that staircase. Uh, if we really do get over that, I think we'll have a better shot at accomplishing anything else that, that we're looking to do. Sure. But ultimately, you know, if you look at history, most of society's downfall is due to its uh, delusion, delusional self-hatred or egotistical, uh, you know, uh, upward. Uh, Babylon is a great example uh, right. of that. 
um, it's, it's really, you know, self-love is, 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 a, is a tough thing sometimes. Uh, I and, think and that's the, that's the key that. that's the key to everything because how can you project love outward if you don't truly love the self if you're doing things that are harmful and detrimental against the self can you truly love someone else can you truly project the spirit or essence of love to anyone else you know it's all about self-respect and self-love that's where all love flows from it has to start at the self and project out from there that's right. People want to know where the confidence comes from. It it, it comes from uh, sometimes working your hardest, maybe failing uh, sometimes, but ultimately, you know, if you don't give up and you strive towards better, you will accomplish it. Uh, you work enough hours at anything, you'll get good. At, you'll get good at it. That's uh, right. Doing a, being a three D artist uh, as a hobbyist is sometimes uh, it, it can be very very tedious. The software changes as the years go on. Uh, you know. Sometimes there's, it, the money's in it, sometimes there's not, you know, and you really do it for the love. Uh, and, and really, if you spend a good 5,000 hours or more, you'll get better. But unfortunately, if you don't want to put in that work, you're never going to get there. Um, it's all about practice. It's all about persistence. It's all about willpower, you know. Willpower in conjunction with care, in conjunction with creativity, you know. That's what will get us there. You know, we don't want to develop that, then, you know, stagnation is the order of the day and ultimately, you know, uh, slipping backwards, you know, ultimately entropy and chaos will take over. You know, again, like I said, true care and true will are the ordering principles within creation. That's what the force of syntropy is ultimately about. The counteracts and counterbalances that force of entropy and chaos at work in the world. That's, that's amazing. You know, it's, you are you are truly uh, putting together, you know, through these podcasts, what really needs to be said, especially you know now today at this time in, in our society. Uh, reincarnation, I think, plays a big role in that cyclical thing that we keep feeling and you know seeing and throughout history or feeling in the back of our mind. Um, it pops up again and again, maybe in your life, deja vu. Uh, I've had that before. Um, you know, you were being very honest, say, about a story that you shared about, you know, an experience you had with some sort of craft. And, you know, I, I, throughout my life, I, I've seen, you know, shadow, you know, people or, or, or animal-like uh, figures that can move very fast. You know, and throughout my life, I've seen it. You know, almost like it was second nature. And I, I realized at one point, that, you know, other people didn't really see them until I started watching, you know, watch TV shows and realize that it, that it was out there but right. essentially that's what that's what got me on my road you know back in the uh, I would say you know early 90s somewhere it's a huge yeah. phenomenon that's a that's a, a much larger phenomenon than most people would even believe I mean looking into that whole concept of you know uh, shadow or dark uh, figures uh, wor working in this world and seen at the periphery of people's vision in many cases it's a, a huge phenomenon that goes yeah. on in the world no especially depending on where you are in locations that can play into it but it, it is. It is without a doubt. My my whole life, I've I've seen them. I've seen them be able to move objects. Uh, you know, lift lift a, a lid on a toy chest when I was younger. Wow. You know that there, there are. You know, and you, you're younger. You don't even realize what's happening. You know, and, and all of a sudden you look back at it because I was so young, and I said, "Oh my God, that's exactly what happened." You know. Um, but 
throughout your life, you know, you, you can, if you don't have, if you don't hold on to your humanity, and that, that's really what separates us, is the ability to really love and, and have compassion, be, you know, without explanation sometimes, for, for, for yourself, for others, uh, you have to have that, and that, that is what separates us, and if, if we don't let them take that from us, or if we don't willingly give it up, we can develop it into power, true good power, that could really uplift humanity, instead of using power for, as a tool to, to bring people down. Exactly. Mike, absolutely profound Thanks. insights, as always, that you bring to the show whenever you call in. Thanks so much, my friend. Great to hear from you. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. All right, let's hear from Carrie and Rob in Philadelphia. Carrie and Rob, you are on the air on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Uh, guys, if you want to lower the radio a little bit or uh, whatever device you're listening on, um, Carrie and Rob, are you there? I, they're on a delay. I think they're going to not hear that till, uh, two minutes later. Okay, no worries. Uh, we're going to skip Carrie and Rob then. Uh, if you can call back on a better uh, connection of some kind, then uh, I'll put you to the head of the line. Let's hear from Swami Shivananda Giri in Illinois. Swami, welcome back to the show. I got pay my very self so masterfully playing the role of Mark Passio. <laughs> play of consciousness. <laughs> What an adventure this has been tonight. Eh? Yeah, hasn't it? It's been a roller coaster ride, right? Well, I mean, you know, uh, this Swami hangs out in the, the chat room during the show. How's, and, it, how's uh, it been going in there? Outstanding. Because what we decided as these things were occurring, some got very frustrated, but myself and a few others said, look, the whole intent of this is to drive listeners away. Right. We simply sit here shoulder to shoulder no matter what happens. Right. Until the end of the program. Then we win. Absolutely. Swami, stay with us through this break and uh, I'll let you continue on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. This is the last segment for this edition of tonight's program. We were talking to Swami Shivananda Giri in Illinois. Swami, are you still with us? Oh, you bet. <laughs> you go right ahead and continue. I just, I, I just wanted to congratulate you. You know, you're not, you're not getting hit with the plaque until you're over the target. That's right. You know, it, like I said, it's just going to lend more validation to my message the more that this keeps happening. Uh, and, you know, 
it's uh, it, it's, it's too coincidental to be accidental, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's uh, it, this is something that I feel is deliberate because it's happening just at the time I go on the air, when I have had no problems with this connection over the past uh, several weeks. Uh, you know, only during the time that I hit the airwaves. But like I said, it's going to ultimately work against these cowards, uh, these anonymous cowards who take a paycheck to uh, try to uh, stifle a, a message of truth. Uh, it's going to work against them because in everybody's mind who listens, it's going to validate my message from day one. Right. And I, I just wanted to cyber high five you <laughs> and tell you how excited I am to be standing shoulder to shoulder with you in the upliftment of human consciousness. Absolutely. And uh, it's a pleasure that you are in our company, sir. <laughs> oh, oh, also, wanted to share with you, due to your inspiration, mm -hmm. uh, this Swami will be taking on a raw juice, uh, uh, raw juice fast. Great, great. I wish you the best oh, of luck oh, with it. Uh, when will you be starting? Oh, uh, November 3rd, my birthday. Awesome. Well, any assistance or tips or anything, information that I could help you out with, don't hesitate to ask, you know, at any time, you know, uh, I'd be here to help you with that endeavor. Thank you so much. And, and, you know, one of the reasons, I mean, one of the greatest reasons I'm doing this is because you took, took up the challenge to do it and brought about results. That's right. I'm hoping to simply replicate the very same thing with this body you know and i'm due for another one i'm gonna have to do another one pretty soon and uh you know reboot as they say uh and uh perhaps uh within the next few weeks uh, i'll start one myself cool all right thanks again mark for doing what you do and being who you are and all you've gone through all you go through and all that is yet to be gone swami the same here we appreciate you my friend take care all right, let's hear from Ivan in Phoenix. Ivan, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome to the show. A few more minutes today, as opposed to the very last minute. Yes, it's unusual. <laughs> I took your call a little bit early, except uh, not quite at the very, very uh, end of the show. So we have some time to chat. What do, you, what do you have on your mind this evening, my friend? All right. Um... This, this uh, connects a lot of dots here. So you're talking about cosmic abandonment and basically the interference with uh, man within yes. our ancient history. Um, this ties, this connects a few things for me real quick here. Um, and it, this goes to uh, vegetarianism and carnism. Okay. Um, I, I would suggest, I don't know if you've mentioned this in the past or not, but I would suggest that man was vegetarian or vegan. That's the one who ate naturally, the natural foods, the foods that don't need to be processed or modified. You know, you can just grab a banana, grab an apple, uh, pick some cherries, pick right. anything that comes from the earth, and you can eat that naturally, and you're fine. Then we have the uh, interference, or what the Bible says, let us make man in our image, right. not human, but man in our image. Right. And that ties in with 
something I heard uh, a few years ago that David Icke mentioned. A researcher uh, was looking into the origins of, um, I forgot, some religions and stuff, and came across uh, 70,000 years ago was the furthest he can go back about reptilians or serpents, and that was something about hue, or that hue was, was the name. And so now if we take that concept, and man was made in whoever's image, maybe that was the serpents or, or reptilian, and then man became human. And then from that point on, that's where you get all these uh, carnivores saying, well, the body needs to eat meat. Don't, can't you tell how you know, good it feels when you eat meat and everything? And that's why I would suggest, well, because since we're uh, down the line of this interference, yeah, we were manipulated or modified to require this meat right. because, you know, as natural as it is to just eat the, the fruits and vegetables, I don't, I don't see these uh, carnivores. You know, right now I'm still a carnivore, but I'm trying to change that and my consciousness, I'm, that willpower, I'm trying to develop that and, and kind of use my sacred masculine to use force and be like, no, do the right thing and stop eating that. We, we carn, carnivores don't go to a cow and just take a bite out of it. Right. We don't rip a chicken's leg off and take a bite out of it. We don't bite, sink our teeth into a pig. You see? So if it's as natural as eating these fruits and vegetables that we just pick up anywhere and eat, why don't we do that with the meat? Because our, our uh, I would say from the neck up, our body recognizes that we're not supposed to do that. That right. includes the taste buds. Uh, our um, our mental construct. We we don't take red meat all bloody and and everything like mm, yummy. No, we need to put uh, you know spices and we need to marinate it. We need right. to cook it to a nice right. color and right. get a nice smell. So that's all mental stuff. That's to right. Get it where it's acceptable. See, so so like all like the old saying goes, if people had to kill the animals that they eat, there would be a lot more vegetarians in the world. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's something that uh, all these extra dots here with you know, the foods and preparing it and, and these interference, that ties into, you know, supports what you were uh, talking about, the interference sure. the between man and human. T- very Serpent. interesting theory that that may have been actually genetically programmed into us through the modifications that these beings may have made to early man. That's one possibility. I'd like to just suggest another alternative hypothesis or, or possibility. Um, if the earth was at one point not at the angle uh, of uh, its axial rotation with respect to its plane of orbit around the sun that it exists now, which is at a 23.5 degree tilt with respect to that uh, rotational plane, um, with, with that uh, orbital plane uh, around our, our sun. Um, if it was at one point perfectly straight up and down with respect to that plane of orbit, if it was at a, a zero degree angle, we would have a perpetual state of spring in all uh, areas of the earth, basically, except the most extreme parts of the the, the poles. And you'd have a huge temperate zone uh, capable of supporting all kinds of uh, vegetable, plant and vegetable life throughout the course of the year, year round. There would not be extremes of summer and winter. And that means food would grow everywhere abundantly in both hemispheres of the earth, the northern and southern hemisphere, year-round. You wouldn't have this season of death and decay and pushing people into survival mode and looking for alternative sources of 
of energy and food, uh, like hunting animals. Okay, so um, I think perhaps environmental pressures brought about by a cataclysmic event. Uh, possibly even one that was created by these beings that came here in the ancient past with their technology, because if they were some sort of a type two civilization, uh, you know, they may have even had technology, free energy technology that would have been capable of creating a pole shift. But there are some researchers that talk about the possibility of a galactic uh, gravity wave created from a Seifert explosion. I've talked about briefly some of the work of Paul LaViolette in this regard. I think people should read his book, Earth Under Fire. You could also check out Alan and Dallaire's work, Cataclysm, in that regard. That may have uh, changed our, our dietary habits. But uh, that's all the time we have for this edition. Ivan, I want to thank you, as always, for your call. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be in Connecticut next week. Looking forward to seeing everybody out there. I'll return live to the air in two weeks from today. You've been listening to What on Earth is Happening. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, there's only two mistakes you could ever make on the path to truth. Not starting and not going all the way. We'll see you right here in two weeks.